So the benefits of traditional publishing, I mean, there's pros and cons to, to both, but right. for example, with traditional publishing with a large publisher, like the one that I work with originally, I mean, they'll send your book out to, to big review places such as Publishers Weekly or um, Library Journal, School Library Journal, and that those are much harder to get into if you're an indie writer and a lot of like bookstores and libraries make buying decisions from seeing reviews like that so it's a lot easier to get your books into into libraries and bookstores if you have a if you're working with a large traditional publisher hey mamas welcome to the more than a mother podcast where we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mother at the same time. I am your host, Lawan Moses, and I am helping you find the freedom to live. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey friends, welcome back to the More Than a Mother podcast. This is your host, Lawan Moses, and I am back with you again for another great episode. If this is your first time listening at More Than a Mother podcast, we are helping moms to create a life outside of motherhood without sacrificing their family time. We believe that moms can pursue their dreams and be great moms at the same time. Today, I sat down with Stacy Juba. Stacy has written sweet and sassy chiclet novels, mysteries about determined women sleuths, and entertaining books for young adults and children. Her books include the Storybook Valley Chicklet series and the Hockey Rivals Young Adult Sports Novels. Stacey is also a freelance developmental editor, online writing instructor, and an award-winning journalist. Her signature course, Book Editing Blueprint, a step-by-step plan to making your novels publishable, empowers fiction writers to think like an editor so they can save time and money. Today, Stacey, share with us her journey to becoming a developmental editor, including her early start as a freelance writer. She also shares tips to help aspiring writers get their work done, edited, and finally published. Let's dive into my conversation with Stacy. Hey, Stacy, how are you? Oh, good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Welcome to the More Than a Mother show. I am so glad that you could join us today. Now, before we get started with the interview, can you please introduce yourself to my audience? Yep. So I'm Stacy Juba, and I'm a mom of two girls, and I'm also a fiction author of chiclet mystery novels, young adult books, and some couple of children's picture books. I'm also a freelance developmental editor, um, working with authors to strengthen their manuscripts for publication. And I also have recently launched an online course helping authors to learn how to self-edit their novels so that they can save some time and money on the editing process. Oh, that's awesome. And I love writing and I love fiction. So this is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get started and learning more all about your business and books and those type of things, as you know, here at More Than a Mother, we're all about helping moms pursue their dreams while being great mothers at the same time. And with that being said, I believe that we all have powerful stories and that when we share our stories, we empower others to live their dreams and share their stories as well. So would you be able to share your story with my audience? Sure. What your aha moment was that led you to the path that you're on today? 
I think I had a couple of aha moments. Like one was when I was a teenager and I just loved to write. And there was this competition. It was called the Avon Flair Young Adult Novel Competition. And it was for teenage writers. And it was offered every two years. And I remember reading uh, Tiger Beat magazine. <laughs> I always read <laughs> Teen Beat, Tiger Beat. All yes, those I read those too. Did you read that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kirk Cameron. And yeah. I love Kirk. <laughs> and they had an ad in there like with the previous year's winner. And they uh, said that they would be opening up like submissions like in, in the year. So I just kind of kept my eye on that because they, they had his picture and everything. And I thought that would be so cool to win that. And I would buy books pr- printed by Avon and I would always like go to the bookstore and I'd look in the back for the entry form. And then finally, uh, one day I, I saw the entry form in the back of one of the books. I bought the book just for the entry form. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I had set my goal as I was going to write a book and enter it in this competition. And I wrote a book, a young adult novel about hockey called Face Off. And it, I submitted it and I found out like a year later that I had won the competition. Oh, that's awesome. And so that really set me down the path of writing. I mean, I, I love to write them, but I, I kind of thought briefly of stopping writing because it was just so much for publication because there was so much like rejection. I was, I was submitting even in high school right. magazines and I just got rejected a lot. And I asked myself, you know, do I really want to keep doing this? But then winning the competition just kind of set me that it was possible and that's a book that I'd, that's still doing well even today and I brought it back when it, when it was out of print and I published a sequel 25 years later oh um, wow which, which was a couple of years ago so that's a book that had a big impact on my life and I think my second aha moment was there was a lot of despite that early success there was a lot of years of rejection in between I had like the benefit of professional editing on that particular manuscript because the editor at the publishing company worked with me to help make it publishable. But the manuscripts I wrote after that didn't have the benefit of professional editing. I was still only like 18, 19 years old. So I had a lot to learn. So there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears years. And there were some ups and downs. Like I had an agent and I had a lot of close calls at publishing companies, but there were also, I just, I just couldn't get that second book published. And then, so there was a point like when my, my oldest daughter, she was about two and I was just seriously thinking, do I want to keep doing this? And I I just don't know, but I've already put so many years into it. And so, you know, then it would be like, it was all for nothing. And I entered, I was still writing like when my parents would come over and babysit, I was still I was still kind of writing, and right. I had a couple of chapters that I decided to enter in this competition, another competition, <laughs> and it was for mystery writers, okay. and I just kind of sent it off, not really expecting anything, and then I got a phone call a few months later saying that I was one of the two winners, and I had won a thousand dollar grant. Um, for my mystery novel, and it, they wanted me to come to the Malice Domestic Conference in, outside of Washington, D.C., which is where they had the Agatha Award Banquet. It's just like a big banquet in the yeah. mystery field of uh, mystery authors. So so my husband and I went, and I, I actually wound up becoming very close friends with the other grant winner, and I, it was just a great experience. And it just kind of really revitalized me and reminded me of why I was working so hard. And I still had this dream and, you know, that it was still worth pursuing. And then right. shortly after that, I got a contract for my first mystery novel. 
And then that's like when I launched my website and kind of started getting other books published. And that's when I, shortly after that, I brought back Face Off. I brought that into print, my book I had published when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And so I think those two moments just really kind of defined like where I am now. Yeah, I mean, those point. are great. And I mean, just the fact that it sounds like early on you discovered what your passion was and being that young teenager, you knew that you wanted to write and doing those entries into Tiger Beat and those type of things to where you actually won the competition and then just staying with it through. I know you mentioned a lot of blood, sweat, and tears because back then the publishing industry is nothing as it is today. I mean, a lot of things have evolved and changed. So I just couldn't imagine like with all the rejection and everything, how did you (laughs) just keep going? Like when you were receiving those rejections, how did you just navigate through that and just find the will to keep going? I think just knowing that it was possible like, that kept me going because I, had, I, unfortunately, even though I had had that first early success after that, I'd even written this a sequel to Face Off, but the there was a lot of turnover at that book publishing company and all the editors I'd worked with left. So there reached a point where I was just getting form letter form letters from them and they really didn't know who, have any idea who I was, but I had received some fan mails from kids that had enjoyed my book. So I think just knowing that it was possible. I'd done some book signings and everything. So that kind of kept me going for a while. But then it was hard because sometimes there would be like a re- just a form letter where it was just, right. you know, it didn't say anything positive. And then other times there would be like a nugget of information, you know, like a, we, we think you have a lot of potential, really enjoyed this, not for us, but you might want to consider fleshing out your main character more. Oh, and okay. So those rejections were really valuable because I kind of would put them all together and take that feedback and keep rewriting and rewriting to make the book stronger. And then finally, I got an agent and that was, they kind of mentored me and I learned a lot there. But I think the hardest rejections were the really close calls. Okay. Because I had a couple, I had a few like really tough ones, like where there was, for example, one of them, there was an editor at a young adult paranormal um, publishing company. And I had a young adult paranormal paranormal book that would be perfect for them. And the editor and their publishing committee said that she really enjoyed it. And they they gave me like a couple of pages of feedback and said, if you be right and submit, you know, how would you feel about resubmitting it if you, if you decide to follow our suggestions? And I said, sure. So I spent a, a few months rewriting it. And then about a week before I was finished, the editor just kind of sent out a generic email to everyone all the, all the authors she was on her list and that she'd been in contact with saying she was leaving the company oh, and wow. leaving publishing. But, you know, she said, my assistant editor is going to be um, taking over as editor and you can send everything to him. So I was disappointed, but I right. still had all into that hope. And then I submitted it to him and he returned it unread the same oh, day. Wow. Like he put it right back in the envelope and said, we're no longer doing young adult paranormal books. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I just had all my hopes like resting on it. It just right. seems like of such work. A, so much work. And so it just seemed like it was, I really thought it was going to happen. And, right. it was, and there were a few instances like that where it was so close and then it didn't pan out. And I think that was the hardest where you get, where you just get your hopes up and then you send yeah. it up and then you're waiting for the phone to ring. And then, <laughs> I'm sure that that applies to a lot of different things that I mean, but the good part is even like you were saying with the rejection that there was a lot of times feedback. So with that feedback that you were receiving, you were able to go in and make edits and tweak things and kind of make your book stronger. So even through the rejections, it was helping you become a stronger writer so that now 
fast forward down the line, you are able to do write all these books and have all this success and those type of things. So right. a lot to be said that even when it <laughs> seems like it's bad news, it's not always bad news because you can learn from that. So Right. And that particular book was my book that I eventually um, indie published, Dark Before Dawn, and I used all their feedback to make it better. So it, it was beneficial. It did help to make it a stronger book. But right. at the time, it was kind of like, oh, you know, why can't it be easy? You know? Right. Yeah. So when you're going through like with the rejections and you've learned all this and now it's got you to a point to where you're able to build, write your independently published and do all this other outside work. So when you're in that moment, how did you feel these lessons from the past have helped you with what you're doing right now? Oh, I think definitely it's helped me as a, as an editor. So about five or six years ago, I decided that I wanted to, I had been doing like a lot of freelance writing when my kids were younger. And then I decided to branch out and do some freelance developmental editing to kind of earn some money on the side. And I, it's just kind of amazing to me because if I look back, you know, when I was 18 years old, I got this 10 page letter on face off from the editor, which is telling me all these issues that the book had that even though they wanted to publish it, they wanted me to totally rewrite it to make it even stronger. And I was so intimidated back then. And then over the years, I would get all these rejection letters with, you know, those little nuggets of information with, from feedback. So it was kind of amazing to me that now I, I had learned enough over the years that I was able to pick up on these things in manuscripts right. and that I was able to, like I could look at a manuscript and edit it. And now I've, I tend to send out like eight to 10 page single space oh. letters. <laughs> and I think coming from an author's background, I'm always really careful that I, I don't want to, you know, even though I want to make sure that they understand that if they want the book to be publishable, it, it, it does take a lot of hard work. Right. You know, if you're putting, it's a product and you're putting it up. Uh, if you're putting it up on Amazon for people to review, you, know, right. you want it to be strong. Or it, it's, and if you want to pursue the traditional publishing route to get an agent, again, it's very competitive. So you you have to make sure that your um, book is you know, really stands out. So it's a lot of, if you don't want writing to be a hobby, if you want it to be something that right. it's like a job that you really do have to um, put the effort into it. But I'm also so it's kind of like a fine line. We're trying to make the authors, beginner authors, realize that, but while also trying to encourage them. And you know, so I, I think right. coming from that background myself, where I would get these letters and feel overwhelmed, I know what it feels like. So I try to right. always find something positive to to say and just try to shape it in a way so that hopefully they'll feel inspired to keep going, uh, keep yeah. going, and take right. the next step. Well, that's good. So you did mention in that that you did freelance writing when your children were younger. So it's probably with every all the craziness that we have going on right now and people just trying to figure out what their next step is and those type of things. Can you just talk about like what your experience was with freelance writing and how someone could perhaps get into that? Yeah. So my background was as a newspaper reporter. So before my before I had my kids, I was a newspaper reporter for several years. And then I um, left newspapers and I went to work for a, a company, like a nonprofit organization where they had like events for high school teachers and just kind of educational events and for the student leaders. So, so I did their wellness newsletter and I did some press releases. So that kind of gave me the 
background. And then when my daughter was younger, so I, I stayed with my with that company that I had been working for just on a freelance basis where I just did a work from home doing their newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about probably about eight years. Or, okay. no, wait. Yeah, it's probably about eight years. So, so I would just go like a few times a year to their different events and take notes and write write up the newsletter. And my husband's actually a graphic designer. Oh, well, that's so good. He's, he's high school graphic design <laughs> teacher, so he would get paid to design it. And then through that, I had met somebody else like that who would come to one of their conferences, and they were like from a health organization, very small, out of their house, like educational, like melanoma foundation, okay. and they invited me to do some freelance work for them. So then I did that for a couple of years in addition where I would write press releases and just had a, we did a newsletter again. My, I wrote it and <clears throat> my husband designed it. And so I worked with them doing outreach for a couple of years. And then there was also like a parenting magazine, a regional okay. parenting magazine that I had just seen. Like I was always reading it. It was always like at the doctor's office or at the grocery store. So I, I, pitched some articles to them. They just had, I just contacted the editor through their email address and I wound up doing several articles for them over okay. the years. And then I also had a client that was somebody I had met years ago when I was a newspaper reporter who was a director of public relations at a regional hospital in the area. And so I also, I still do this actually a couple times a year where I uh, she'll assign me a, f- a few articles to write and I interview patients and interview doctors. And it's just kind of about, it's a magazine that gets sent out to all okay. of the homes in the area. So I'd say I recommend um, if you don't have that writing background or those contacts, just kind of look to your past connections. Cause a lot of these, um, like the hospital and the Mount Noma foundation and the, you know, the other news that I was doing, th- th- those all came from like people I had, I met in, over the okay. years, so you could just kind of go to uh, contact past connections and say you're looking to do some freelance writing. Is there anything they need help with, like news, newsletter articles, um, press releases to submit to the newspaper, or you know, are there any magazines or newspapers in your area you could contact? Like, there's okay. lots of regional parenting magazines right. that are often looking for for freelance writers, and then once you build a relationship with them they'll tend to come to you where they'll say, hey, okay. we have this idea for a story. Are you interested? In? So, oh, yeah, yeah so there's definitely with blogs and everything now, yeah. there's no shortage of places to write right. for. Right, <laughs> the internet's like the land of opportunity right now, but I think that's good where you're saying reach out to past connections. That speaks to the importance of networking and making those connections that you have people to reach out to and then also pitching like publications and things that are looking for content and looking at the editors and trying to, build those relationships so that one day they're reaching back and asking you, hey, do you want to write this for us? So I think that's really good. Right. And there's so many like mom and entrepreneur groups like on Facebook and everything. And sometimes yes. you'll see these collaboration threads where they where they might even, somebody might even say, hey, I'm looking for somebody to write this or, or design this. Okay. Or, you know, so it's, I think it's good yes. to just kind of consider yourself an entrepreneur, even if you don't know, you haven't really right. established yet, but kind of Think of yourself as one and look for those opportunities to network because I think that's how a lot of a lot of these collaborations and yes. relationships happen. Yeah, that is so true. Now you've had a long span writing career. And so once when you first started, there was a lot with traditional publishing and now there's a lot with self-publishing. And since you've kind of been on both sides, mm-hmm. can you speak to, I guess, how how you watch things change and evolve and what your experience has been with now 
in the present with traditional publishing, <laughs> I guess, and self-publishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like a whole different landscape than when I first started. So the benefits of traditional publishing, I mean, there's pros and cons to, to both, but right. for example, with traditional publishing with a large publisher, like the one that I work with originally, I mean, they'll send your book out to, to big review places such as Publishers Weekly or um, Library Journal, School Library Journal, and that those are much harder to get into if you're an indie writer and a lot of like bookstores and libraries make buying decisions from seeing reviews like that so it's a lot easier to get your books into into libraries and bookstores if you have a if you're working with a large traditional publisher and it's okay. it's very very difficult to get your book into libraries and um bookstores like um, chain bookstores right. independent bookstores if you're indie publishing yep. so that's like the one that I've been and then a lot of times with a traditional publisher you'll get like an advance so you'll earn some money up front and you know they obviously they do the cover and they work with you a bit on editing although you a lot of authors even if they even if they have contracts with traditional publishers like I've worked with some clients that will still hire me or hire someone as a freelance editor before they send the manuscript to the editor that they have a contract with at the publishing house just because right. they want editors to, at the publishing house just don't have as much time or they don't have they don't have as much staff as they did years ago so okay. to, to work with you you know really in in depth on your editing so they want to make their manuscript as strong as possible before it gets there so okay. they can kind of be thought of as an author who turns in like a really well-developed clean copy so and then the the pros and cons of like indie publishing I mean you regardless you still have to market your book I mean even if you have a contract with a, a traditional publisher you still have to do a lot of marketing you really still need to have a website and differences if you're with a traditional publisher you may be doing more events like at bookstores kind of traveling more it's probably on your own budget because they're not they're, they're, unless you're a well-known author they're not going to you know, really give you much of a promotional right. budget you, you'd still be kind of setting up a lot of these yourself and whereas with indie publishing you can if, if it's my schedule and better because I, since I'm a mom and I, I don't want to be doing a lot of traveling I can I just kind of focus a lot of my efforts on online marketing okay um so I do and, and I like um being an entrepreneur I like um indie publishing where I can have control like over the price and okay I can have sales when I want to so I there's a lot of ad companies you can buy ads with and sometimes they're expensive so you kind of have to they're very selective where they will only like select books that they think are strong enough to have like good covers and that have a lot of reviews so you have to really build up your reviews and make sure that your book is is professional if you're indie publishing but you know assume you've done that then you can just kind of control the price and right you can, there's lots of networking with other authors where there's different events you can sign up for to like mystery sales where everybody discounts the book and then cross promotes or newsletter swaps with other authors where you'll promote each other's books in your newsletter so there's lots of different ways you can market the book but it is um to make money on it you do really have to get it out there and you know just realize that just because you publish it, it it's it, it's not going to sell a lot of copies unless you're telling people about it so that's the drawback of, right. of indie publishing is that whereas you could get some sales from with the, with the publisher out marketing it for you, but they, they will help to some degree. For indie publishing, it's just you. So <laughs> you have to 
really work hard. So I do some Amazon ads, like for my hockey books. And that really helps because it just kind of will show it, show my ads to to like people who are searching like for others, if they're doing a search for like another similar kind of book, like a Sixth Young Adult Sports book or something, then my right. ad will kind of pop up with the list of, with the other recommended books for them to check out. And I sell a lot of books that way. So there's just different things you have to do to right. try and see what works. Right. And, you know, what sounds- works, yeah, what works for one book might not work for another book. Right. But. And as you mentioned, there are pros and cons with really anything you do. And each one has their own benefits as well as the cons to it as well. And it really, I guess, depends on what you're looking for when you're, what your purpose is and what you're looking for to do. And it sounds like self-publishing, as you said, gives you that flexibility to kind of make your own kind of schedule and have more control. But whereas traditional publishing could get you in those bigger like stores and chains and those type of things. So yeah, it's really all. One thing I found that also that might be interesting, like to like moms or stay at home moms who are looking to kind of work from home and a lot of authors, like indie authors have kind of found, like once they start the indie process, they kind of learn what their strengths are. So some might find that they're really good with like cover design and kind of learn more about that. And then they become like, in addition to writing books, they become like freelance cover designers or, or some are find that they really are good at the formatting, like formatting books as an ebook. And then they become formatters. And I find that I was, I like the editing side, I like the big developmental editing side, but I kind of give an overview of the manuscript, but some, some might be really good at like the grammar and punctuation and want to become like that's copy editors or proofreaders. So even though it's hard to kind of make a living from your books at first, unless you're really prolific and writing a lot of books, like right. a, a series, you might find that once you kind of start exploring that indie publishing world, that there are other opportunities that, you know, and you could just kind of find what your strengths and interests are right. and, you know, do something else to kind of piggybacks off of that. That's kind of related. So. Right. So with that, de- I know you mentioned the different type of editing. So I know that you do developmental editing, then there's like proofreading and there's copy editing. So how do those differ from each other? If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a few seconds and leave a review, a rating, and share this with all of your mom friends. We want to get the word out about the More Than a Mother podcast so that we can empower as many moms as possible. This is truly a movement for all moms As moms, we are a community and it is up to us to continue to lift each other up. So don't keep all this greatness to yourself. Subscribe, like, share, rate, and leave a review so that all moms can start to tune in and start living out their own unique life stories. Let's dive back into this great episode. Yeah, so developmental editing, that is... So where like someone would send me a manuscript and I just I give like a broad overview. So I'm looking, if it's a fiction manuscript, for example, I'm looking at the characters. Are they well-rounded? Do they have like a character arc that did they change from the beginning of the book to the end of the book? Are they all fleshed out um, the plot? Like, does the story keep moving forward? Is there enough conflict and obstacles? How is it resolved? The point of view, this is a big area where a lot of beginner writers have trouble. You know, are they staying in their main character's point of view? Are they hopping into other characters? Are they getting into deep enough so that we really get to know this character? Like dialogue, you know, uh, pacing, 
and setting and that more with the manuscript that is like by a more advanced author that's further along because if, if an author has like a lot of bigger issues that they have to deal with, that they'll have to do a lot of rewriting. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for me to like line edit or, you know, their whole manuscript because they're going to be right. changing a lot anyway. Then I'm able to do more focusing on the line editing, which is like creative as opposed to copy editing, which copy editing is more like about grammar and punctuation. And so I don't do a lot of copy editing I, I basically, I if it's a manuscript that's really where the author is really good with grammar, and and then I'll do I'll correct some commas and things like that, and and that might be enough. They may not need to hire a copy editor, but I also see a lot of manuscripts where the authors just have a lot of trouble with with commas and you know, grammar and punctuation, like how to punctuate dialogue. Where, you know, where do you put periods, like inside right. or outside, or where they have a lot of run-on sentences, incomplete sentences. That's what like a copy editor would do. Okay. So once once you've hired a developmental editor, I w- a developmental editor would send them like a long letter explaining, giving this broad overview. So I might say, um, you know, you have a problem with grammar and punctuation and here are some resources. But, you know, I, I recommend that after you do all your rewrites and you want to hire a copy editor as okay. the next step. Okay, you know, and I'll that's... do some markup the manuscript. Yeah, so the copy editor right. would be the next step. And that's like where they look at the grammar and the punctuation. And they might look at for things like continuity, like this year. Okay. Eye color, somebody's eye color change. You know, okay, well, that's, the yeah, that's good to know. That I think, of thing. Yeah, a lot of people throw out the word like when they go in, they're like, I'm an editor. Like we see a lot of freelance businesses and things like that pop up. You see a lot of people say that they're editors, but it's not clear like a lot of times, okay, what type of editor are you? So I think when people are looking at what their strengths and weaknesses are, it's important to know that there are many different types of editors and depending on which type you are, it's a different title and you have different strengths. So thank you for explaining that. Yeah, and you definitely want to, I always recommend starting with a developmental editor. And it depends what you write, if you're writing like fiction or nonfiction memoirs, like some, 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 some developmental editors will do all of that, or some specialize in, in like more fiction or nonfiction. So you just want to make sure that you're working with an editor that um, is comfortable with your genre. Like, for example, I don't really do I don't edit picture books or really young children's books because I don't feel that's my strength but um right. like I'll do like I'll do most other fiction I'll, I'll do some like non-fiction I've done like self-help books and okay. um, memoirs and that kind of thing but every I think a lot of uh, um, editors just have their specialties and genres they feel comfortable with so it's always good to check prices check their testimonials right. and kind of make sure they be a good match for you um so I'd say I always start with the developmental editor first because a lot okay. of authors, new authors think that the manuscript only needs copy editing. They, they just kind of think that all it needs is like commas and somebody to right. kind of go through and catch all their mistakes. But that's very rarely the case. Most manuscripts need a lot of, especially for, for a newer writer, they need a lot of developmental okay. editing. There's probably a lot more to fix than you might right. realize. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I mean, that's good to know. So with doing the developmental editing, so as you mentioned, you're doing, you're also doing something new with this new class and course that you're doing. Can you explain to us what that is about? Yeah, so I recently launched a course called Book Editing Blueprint, a step-by-step plan to making your novels publishable. And uh, I've been working on that for a couple of years. And what I was finding was that a lot of authors 
um, were sending their manuscripts to me too early and editing is expensive. I think the average rates for developmental editing, I think it was 45, according to the Freelance Editorial, Editorial Freelancers Association, I think the rates were like 45 to $55 an hour for developmental editing or something in that range. And that accounts for like one to five pages an hour. So oh. if you have like a 300 page manuscript, um, wow. you're paying like $55 an hour, that's going to be very expensive. And as I said, like most beginner authors and will need several rounds of editing. So you kind of multiply that by like, what if you need uh, four rounds of editing, five rounds right. of editing. I, I've worked with some beginners who really had, had never written anything before and they uh, might've needed even up to like eight rounds of editing because they were just wow. starting like with no background in writing whatsoever. So, and even like some intermediate writers who've been writing a while and working with editors, typically even they need like two to three rounds of developmental editing. And then just the more experience you get, like an advanced writer might just need one round or right. two rounds. So it's just kind of... You, the more experience you get, the less you need. And then that doesn't count. Like if you need to hire a copy editor, if you need to hire a proofreader, some authors just have a lot of difficulty with grammar and punctuation and proofreading. And to make their book publishable, they will have to hire all three. So okay. again, this is that can be very expensive. So I was, I was basically finding that there was that. I would get these manuscripts that just had so much work to do. And the authors had such a long road ahead of them, expensive road. And I just thought that there had to be a better way. Like, like there was sort of like, there was no middle ground. Like authors would like finish their manuscript. They revised it to the best that they could. And then they'd go right to hiring an editor and investing hundreds of dollars in editing. And there were just so many mistakes I was seeing that they could learn to fix themselves if they knew what to look for. Cause I, cause everybody was making the same mistakes. Like I, I like I have a file on my computer where I would just copy and paste into the letters. Like, Oh, this author's showing, um, telling, not showing. So let me paste my paragraph on, on that. So, and then like, or this author's, um, overusing all these words, like look and walk and the same words that everybody else is overusing. Right. <laughs> same words I used to overuse. Cause I mean, it's just, it's just, every writer basically has made the same right. mistakes. You just do the same mistakes in book after book. So I decided to create a class that would just kind of give an overview of, of every, of all these mistakes that we're seeing in every manuscript and kind of giving them an overview of this, so they would get like a solid foundation in, you know, thinking like a developmental editor. And then, and then I take them through kind of evaluating their own manuscript. Like there's a workbook where they, where I ask them questions in each of these main um, categories so they can evaluate their manuscript and figure out what their weaknesses are and what their strengths are. And then there's some practice exercises um, and interactive quizzes so it just really helps to take their manuscript to the next level and then they can go through the self-editing checklist to um, and use that in conjunction with their workbook to just go through their manuscript and give it a solid rewrite I decided to create this course to just give them a foundation and thinking like an editor and knowing what they should evaluate on their own before actually investing money and hiring an editor so it has 10 modules and it kind of gives them a foundation and things like characters and dialogue plot and i just take them through all the most common mistakes and 
there's like a, there's also a section on the smaller things like line editing, like the uh, how they can tighten their writing and what are the overused words that they should be limiting and how can they make their sentences more vivid and very sentence structure. And then there's also some lessons on copy editing where it's it's not going to replace the need to hire a copy editor if they have trouble with grammar and punctuation, but it will show them the most common mistakes that I see. And I talk a lot about software that they can use to kind of run some spelling grammar checks to cut down on the errors and, and, and teach them, lead them through some of the most common mistakes. And so they can figure Figure out where their weaknesses are, and even if they, even if they can just get better at a few of those, that will help to clean up their manuscript, and it could save money in paid rounds of editing um, with a copy editor down the line. So, so basically, they they watch some videos and read some lessons, do some interactive quizzes, and some uh, practice worksheets, and then they fill out a workbook that helps them to evaluate the manuscript for each of these areas. And so the, basically they'll have written themselves an in-depth editorial letter telling them everything that they need to work on in their rewrite. And then there's a 25-page self-editing checklist at the end of the course that they can use just to go through it step-by-step step to make sure they're not overlooking anything. Oh, and then once really they've, Yeah. So once they've gone through that checklist and kind of use that in conjunction with their notes that they made in their workbook, then if they, once they feel that they've gone as far as they can on their own, then it's time to hire an editor. And hopefully okay. that will have saved them some money in those really early rounds of editing so that the money that they'll be putting into it, they'll get a more advanced, like higher level edit. And isn't telling them to go back to the drawing board because they made all these beginner mistakes. And then right. they can just kind of use that for book after book. And hopefully the, it, the writing and editing process should get easier. Oh, okay. That's really good. So what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your journey so far? Well, I think my masterpieces are my, my children. <laughs> That's been the most rewarding. Being a mom has been um, the most rewarding part. But I think it's also being able to be, still be doing what I was doing when I was a teenager, just um, pursuing the passion that I've always had and, and finding um, ways to make a living as a writer doing something that I love to do. So I hope that set a positive example for my kids to, you know, to choose a career path that is something that they're passionate about and are interested in, you know, cause I think that's, that's just always served me well. I even met my husband um, working for a newspaper. So writing also led me to, <laughs> led me to that. So it's just had such a influence on my life and I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and that, teaching was like the next logical step for me, like based on my, um, based on my years as an author. Okay. Yeah, that's really great. So if you could offer one tip to a mom who may want to do writing, uh, be a freelance writer, be an author, and she's struggling to figure out like the first step step to take or where to start, what is a tip that you could offer to that mom? I would say just kind of figure out what you're, what you're interested in writing about, whether it's a like a novel or uh, if articles, you know, what, what are you interested in writing about? And then just kind of don't fit to it. Start, start writing something. You know, if you want to write like articles, like freelancing, it's good to build up some clips. So like maybe you want to offer some free articles, just some blogs or local publication. It just kind of start small to build up some clips and just to, to 
just so that you can show prospective editor, like at a publication that you have some writing experience. And then just, you can query different publications with your ideas, just kind of set your sights on, on some that are in an area, like a topic you feel comfortable writing about. Like okay. for example, if it was parenting or if it's um, something related to a career you had, find some publications that are geared toward that and then just just go for it just you know uh, there may be some rejections but you know that, that's something that every writer faces and in, in eventually if you keep working hard enough you'll get you'll get past that and start all it takes is a couple of good con- couple of good connections and then you might actually find somebody that like a long-term client that will okay. send you work. And then if you want to write books, again, find what you don't just write something that you think is going to sell because it's trendy, like all my books that I've written. I feel I've always felt like passionate about them and excited. So write about something that makes you excited, read books in that genre and just kind of learn as much as you can about the craft of writing. And, and there's lots of groups, for example, on Facebook with writers where I think it's good to network with other writers and just to be around other Right. Writers who you know who who understand like wanting to make up characters right. <laughs> and spend hours you know just by yourself like making up of these stories. I have a group on Facebook called the Shortcuts for Writers Editing Me Simple Group. I'm welcome to check that out. It's a very supportive international community of writers of all different levels. So I think if you can kind of even if you don't have like other writers in your community, if there's no right. writing groups or anything like that, there's just try to find a couple of groups online where you can be around other authors who are pursuing the same goals and that can help inspire you to keep oh, going. Right. Well, thank you so much for that. So now you mentioned your Facebook group. Can you just tell us where our audience can find you online? Yep. So they can go to stacyjuba.com and there they can find out about my books and just kind of get a like overview of everything. And then I also have for writers, I have a special website, the shortcuts for writers website. And if they go there, they, if they're interested in writing that tells about my editing services, gives a link to my Facebook group. And I also have a free five day line editing class you can sign up for called line editing made simple. And so they can sign up for that. So and I'm on Instagram and <laughs> Twitter. I'm everywhere. So uh, YouTube, okay. I have a YouTube channel. So if they awesome. go to those two websites, they'll find me everywhere. So <laughs> Okay. And we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes so that everyone can find you easily. Well, I thank you for joining me today, Stacey. This is really great. And I learned a lot more about writing and editing and all that. So I appreciate you joining me. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to LawanMoses.com. I love for us to stay in touch. Make sure you leave your email address so I can send you inspiration, tips, and the latest updates. Or if you prefer, text the word MORE, that's M-O-R-E, to 302-440-4630. We have some great things coming up and I don't want you to miss a thing. Thanks again. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, keep pressing because victory is yours.